Let me tell you a historical story that's true. In May of 1940, the Nazis entered the Netherlands, and they stormed into the city of Amsterdam, where a humble family, uh, the dad, a watchmaker by trade, were living. And it really obviously changed Amsterdam, changed the Netherlands in that era. Um, two years after the Gestapo made their way into the Netherlands, into Amsterdam, two years later, a well-dressed woman with suitcase in hand knocked on the door of this family. She, uh, they answered the door and she said, uh, my husband has been arrested. My son has gone into hiding, and I'm a Jew, and I'm afraid. This family, Christian family, invited her into their home. And this was the beginning of the Ten Boom family, who became a part of the Dutch underground during World War II. The Dutch underground were the uh, Dutch who would help bring Jews, Jewish people out of the country into safety. And the Ten Boom family uh, were actively involved in this. Matter of fact, their house had a nickname in the Dutch underground called The Hiding Place. One of their daughters, one of two daughters, uh, later wrote a book by that same title, The Hiding Place. You may remember this woman's name. Her name was Corey Ten Boom. Corey Ten Boom and the family, the Ten Boom family, actually helped save the lives of literally hundreds of Jews and also people with disabilities during World War II. People of great courage, we look up to them. We respect them. We want to be like them. There was another woman of history who displayed such great courage. Um, and as we continue our series called Courageous, we're going to meet this woman as we go through now the second chapter of the book of Joshua in our study of the first 11 chapters of the book of Joshua. The woman's name was Rahab. And we will peek into a moment in her life and see what brought out this courage in her. We'll also see uh, what gave her the courage that she had and finally this morning, we'll see how God used her courage in the lives of other people. In our lives, I hope uh, that as we think about them, we'll realize that we too need courage. Uh, like if you've got to talk to your boss about something and you're a little nervous about it. I'm hoping that the text that we go through today will help you have the courage you need to do what you need to do. I hope when... We're needing to make a big decision in life, like um, maybe thinking about going back to school or something like that, that we'll recall this story of Rahab, and we will be spurred on to take that next step of courage, thinking Rahab can do it, and I'm sure we can do it too. So let's dive in to Joshua chapter 2. If you have a Bible handy, you can more than, of course, I'd love you to follow along, um, it's right toward the beginning of your Bible. You can see how I have it here. Um, if you don't have a Bible, of course, uh, I have the scriptures up here for you. So let's begin reading in Joshua chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. 
It says, Then Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men as spies secretly to Shittim, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. Now, before I read on, let me just bring us up to speed. Joshua was the leader of the Israelites. Uh, he succeeded Moses. The Israelites had been wandering in the wilderness, and they were all set up to enter the promised land. And God, through these first 11 chapters of Joshua, will use Joshua to bring his people into the land which he promised them. And so he sends these two spies into the land, and especially to go to Jericho, to get the lay of the land, so when they enter, they know what, what they can expect. And then the end of verse 1 says, So they went and came into the house of a harlot, whose name was Rahab, and lodged there. By the way, um, where is Shittim and uh, Jericho? Here's a nice map. Kurt, you're ahead of me. You're on it, man. So here we are. This is the Dead Sea down here. And Shittim is over here. And this is where all the, all the Israelites were camped, over a million of them. And you'll see across the Jordan River, this is the Jordan River, Jericho is like the first city that they will come upon. And uh, back in verse 21, notice it says that Rahab was a harlot, a prostitute. She is viewed by many as the lowest in society, an outcast even. And she takes in these two spies, which is a pretty big risk. But Rahab practiced risky behavior a lot. This was different. This risk displayed her courage. The first thing we're going to see as we un understand Rahab's uh, moment here in history is that courage is displayed by righteous risk-taking. Inside your bulletin, you'll notice that I do a fill-in-the-blank along the way, and this is the first one. Courage is displayed by righteous risk-taking. In Rahab's chosen lifestyle, like I said, she took a lot of risks. Every day, she took unrighteous risks. Those kinds of risks do not display the kind of courage that God wants for our lives. He wants us to have righteous risk-taking because that is how we will display courage. A harlot's home was good, a good place for spies to hang out, and Rahab knew who they were. Matter of fact, the whole city of Jericho knew that these spies were there. Word traveled fast there in that small town. Look at what it says in verse 2. It was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, men from the sons of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. And that very same night, word got to the king. And the king of Jericho sent word to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you and have entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. Now, just so that we all have a similar picture as to this city of Jericho, so we have an understanding in our own minds as to what we're dealing with here, what, what, kind of, what size of the city Jericho is, um, archaeologists have done a lot of digging. And here's a picture of uh, Jericho itself. Actually, this entire area here is the city of Jericho. The wall is all the way, uh, they, they see that there is a wall that goes all the way around it. Now, to give you an understanding of the size of this, you see these buildings down here. Uh, they are, uh, you know, your average size buildings. So, in this space was the city of Jericho. And from the archaeological digs, um, the houses were quite close together. 
And so the estimation of the population of Jericho at that time was somewhere between 2,000 and 3,000 people. It wasn't this massive, you know, huge empire that they were trying to capture, this gigantic city. It was like a, a small town, and the king was more like a mayor of a small town. You know, before coming to Faith Church, I actually pastored a church in a small town uh, in Watsika, Illinois. Watsika, Illinois, the population of Watsika is uh, just under 6,000 people. And uh, as I was there for eight years, I, um, I actually uh, pretty much, at least by face, recognized almost everybody in town. And uh, if for, for many of the people in town, I, I knew a little bit about their families. I knew what maybe they did for a living. Their reputation was pretty evident. And if something changed in Watsika, if somebody new came into town, if, if, if there was some sort of a change of something, a new store or something, it was immediately all over town. Everybody knew about it. Everybody was talking about it. One thing you can count on in a small town, when things change the news gets around, and it gets around quickly. Uh, here, the news got around quickly that these two spies were in the land, these two Jewish men. But look what Rahab does when these guys are sent to her house in order to bring these guys out from her house. Verse 4, But the woman, that would be Rahab, had taken the two men and hidden them and said, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from came about when it was time to shut the gate at dark that the men went out. I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them in the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order on the roof. By the way, flax was a, a plant used for textiles, used for making cloth. Kind of like cotton is a plant used for cloth, or even bamboo is used for making cloth. And so flax was used for making cloth. But you see what's happened here. Rahab lied. How can it be that she is displaying righteous risk-taking while at the same time she's lying? Well, when the Gestapo knocked on the door of the Ten Boom family uh, who were hiding Jews behind a false wall that was built in their house, they lied to the Nazis. How can someone be an honest person while at the same time lie? A person who is called, a person who lies is typically called what? A liar. Well, honesty is not defined by individual actions. Honesty is rooted in our character. Honesty is rooted in our disposition. It's where we love the truth and we have this compulsion to tell the truth and to know the truth. Mrs. Fry was a uh, third grade teacher. And one day she had to leave the room in order to go down and, and run a quick little errand and she'd come right back and she said, kids, I'll be right back and she left. As soon as she left, a little boy in that classroom started chanting something against another little boy in that classroom. He started saying, Jimmy likes Dawn, Jimmy likes Dawn, Jimmy likes Dawn, and Jimmy's face got a bit red, 
And then the whole class chimed in. Jimmy likes Don. Jimmy likes Don. And Jimmy got so embarrassed, so flustered, that he ran out of the room and started crying in the hallway. Now, Mrs. Fry was coming back, and she saw Jimmy out in the hallway, and she knelt down, and she consoled him, and then she had him sit right there, and she went back in the classroom, and she said, now, you listen, kids. Who's the meanie who started this? And all the kids kind of just looked at Mrs. Fry, not sure what to do. There was silence, uncomfortable silence, and all of a sudden, one little boy raised his hand. I called on him. He said, Frank started it. And it was true. Frank did start it. You know what that little boy did? He put himself at great risk with Frank, by the way. (laughs) What's going to happen in the playground afterwards? But you know what drove him more than the fear of Frank? Honesty. He was compelled to tell the truth. An honest person loves the truth. And yet at times, righteous risks takes us to a place where we do not tell the truth. Like in Rahab's case. Or in Corey Ten Boom's case. The courage to pick the lesser of the two evils, to lie. It happens with emotional distress in the heart of an honest person. It's a struggle deep down in their soul. What would we do in their situation? What would we do if we were bringing Bibles into China and as we walked past the guards, they asked, are you bringing any propaganda into our country. What would we do if a friend came to our house and she was scared and we let her in and she started telling us how her husband was violent toward her. And then a little while later, her husband comes knocking at the door and asks if she's there at our house. What would we tell him? Life isn't always black and white. And every one of us will be in a situation where we will be called to take a risk, a righteous risk. It will be in that moment that God is wanting to show how we can have courage. It's not easy. Courage never is. Well, second, courage is strengthened through faith in God. Our courage is strengthened through faith in God. Look at verse 7 of Joshua 2. So the men pursued them on the road to the Jordan, to the fords. Which, by the way, fords are the shallow parts of the river where you can actually cross by walking through the river. And as soon as those who were pursuing them had gone out, they shut the gate. That would be the gate around uh, Jericho. Now before they lay down, before the spies lay down, she, Rahab, came up to them on the roof. Now listen to where Rahab places her faith. Verse 9. And she said to the men, I know that your Lord, that the Lord, 
has given you the land. Notice Lord is in all capitals there. That is the name that the Israelites called God. It's uh, Hebrew Yahweh. It is the God, the one true God. And I know the Lord has given you the land and that the terror of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land have melted away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to Sion and Og whom you utterly destroyed. By the way, okay, so most of us know about the Red Sea, right? Uh, Moses, the Israelites, they come out of Egypt and they pass through the Red Sea, God parts the sea and they walk through. Um, you remember the movie, you know, the Ten Commandments, some of you who are older. But anyway, they pass through the dry land and then the water crashes in on the, on the soldiers that come after them. Um, but what, what is this Sy, uh, Sion and, and Og and, and this idea that they utterly destroyed these two different kings? Uh, what, what's the story there? Why were they so brutal? Well, to understand the entire story, you can go to Numbers chapter 21, verses 21 through 35. To understand why it seems like they were so brutal, really, you only have to read about the first three verses of Numbers 21, beginning at verse 21. So jump over to Numbers 21, verse 21. It says, Then Israel sent messengers to Sion, king of the Amorites. So Sion is the king of the Amorites, one of the kings of the Amorites, saying, Let me pass through your land. We will not turn off to the fields or the vineyards, which, by the way, all the Israelites are moving in the wilderness, and they just want to pass through the land where, the, where King Sion is. And let, let me just pass through your land. We will not turn to the fields or the vineyards. We will not drink water from the wells. We will not go by the king, or, I'm sorry, we will go by the king's highway until we have passed through your border. But Sion would not permit Israel to pass through his borders. Like, nope, can't go this way. You're not coming this way. So Sion didn't just say you can't come this way. Listen to what he does. He gathered all his people and went out against Israel in the wilderness. So he comes out to attack them. He came to Jahaz and fought against Israel. Jahaz is, is just, wet, uh, just east of the Dead Sea. So here he comes out to basically fight the Israelites. Small group, small band wants to do a battle with the Israelites. And Og, a little bit later, is the same deal. It's these small kings who are overseeing small towns who had eagles the size of, uh, the size of Texas. They start the fight, and Israel finishes it. God used those battles to set up the Israelites in order to be able to enter the land that God had promised them. And Rahab knew this. So if you go back to Joshua 2 again, continue reading in verse 11 when we Rahab says when we heard it heard about all of this our hearts melted and no courage remained in any man any longer because of you for the Lord your God uh, for the Lord your God he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath now therefore please swear to me by the Lord since I have dealt kindly with you by the way mark that word kindly that you also will deal kindly with my father's household and give me a pledge of truth. Mark that word, truth. And spare my father and my mother and my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. So the men said to her, Our life for yours, if you do not tell this business of ours. 
And it shall come about when the Lord gives us the land that we will deal kindly, there it is again, and faithfully, mark that, with you. I'm telling you to mark those words is because I believe when courage is strengthened through faith in God, it will result in kindness and faithfulness and truth. Those things will win out. Verse 15. Then she let them down by a rope through the window of her house, uh, for her house was on the city wall, so that she was living on the wall. She said to them, Go to the hill country, so that the pursuers will happen upon you, and hide yourselves there for three days until the pursuers return. Then afterwards you may go on your way. So let, let's make sure we understand what she's doing here. Let me show you this map again. So she's telling them to go to the hill country. They're here in Jericho. You see over here, this is the hill country. See all that mountainous area? So she sends the spies out to the west, and she sent the pursuers down to the Jordan River to the east. Uh, Rahab is orchestrating all of this. It's like, okay, I've sent those that are after you to go to the fords of the river, but I'm sending you out to the mountains in order for you to hide out there. Totally in control of everything. Verse 17. The men said to her, We shall be free from this oath to you, which you have made to us, swear, unless, when we come into the land, you tie this cord of scarlet thread in the window through which you, were let, you let us down, and gather to yourself into your house your father and your mother and your brothers and all your father's household. It shall come about that anyone who goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we shall be free. But anyone who is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head if a hand is laid on him. But if you tell this business of ours, then we shall be free from the oath which, uh, which you have made us swear. She said, according to your words, so be it. So she sent them away, and they departed. She tied the scarlet cord in the window. Now if Rahab got caught, the, the, bis the, the, the punishment would be quite severe. I mean, even fatal to her. They would probably execute her. But she had guts. That woman had guts. She had guts because she was not acting in fear. But she was acting in faith. She trusted in the one true God rather than fearing man. You know, we listen to the news today and you see all these people, world leaders who are making some choices that maybe we find ourselves feeling a little unstable in our world. Like, we're not sure that the world is being handled quite right. But we feel a little bit unstable about what's happening around us. Put our faith in the one true God, not in man. Your plans are thwarted. Like, you know, plans for a college aren't panning out. Schools that you want to go to aren't interested in you. Trust in the one true God rather than man. If Mr. or Miss Wright hasn't come along yet, and you're wondering what's going on with that, trust in the one true God rather than man. If your business isn't on track to meet the goals that you wanted it to meet, it doesn't seem like your customers are pulling through for you, trust in the one true God rather than man. If your adult children aren't showing signs 
following the Lord like you want him to. Trust in the Lord rather than man. Rest in the fact that God has a plan for your life. It may not be your plan either. One of my favorite passages in the Bible is Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. So we can hold our heads up high. We can walk with confidence trusting in the Lord. He's got us. If He had Rahab can live courageously when we live by faith. Look at verse 22. They departed and came, the spies, they departed and came to the hill country and remained there for three days until the, so, the, per, uh, the pursuers returned. Now the pursuers had sought them all along the road but had not found them. The terrain in which they ran up into the hills and were hiding out, great places to hide. Real rocky, real craggy places to to hide out. It, it kind of reminds me of some pictures that my brother showed me years ago when he was serving in the Marines. Uh, my brother Glenn actually uh, served in the Marines um, back in 1998. He was over in Kuwait. Uh, you may remember Desert Storm when, when we pushed Saddam Hussein out of Kuwait. Well, after that, there was Desert Fox, and it was basically to keep him out of Kuwait. So my brother was actually a sniper in the Marines. Here's a photograph of him uh, there protecting, actually, Kuwait, the borders of Kuwait. Uh, his job, actually, was, uh, uh, he, I actually wrote down his official thing. He's with the 2nd Battalion, 4th Marines, Scout Sniper Platoon. Matter of fact, here's his unit. The next picture is his unit. Uh, Glenn is right over here, my brother. And these guys would hide out. Nobody would be able to see them, but they could see everybody. Now, why did Glenn go there just outside of Kuwait to protect the city? Um, it was because his commanding officer told him he had to go. And, and being there wasn't the most comfortable thing. When he's sort of laying on rocks, and, and actually his stints, like uh, the spies, were three-day stints. He had to stay there, and uh, someone always had to stay awake because they watched, and then they'd take turns uh, making sure that Kuwait was kept safe. If they saw Saddam's army coming, they were to call in F-16 fighters to stop them from entering into Kuwait. He was with the eyes on the ground when it came to defending Kuwait during Operation Desert Fox. You know, not being the most uncomfortable environments, but, uh, you know, he was told to go there, and that's where he was supposed to be. Those spies followed the orders of Rahab. They hid out in the hill country for three days. It wasn't the most comfortable for them, but Rahab told them they could do it because it was best for them. Who do we allow to speak into our lives? Who helps us to orchestrate our lives? How do we know what's best in the eyes of the Lord, even if we're not the most comfortable being there? Having the spies hide in the hills was the right thing to do. So how can we know what the right thing to do is for us? Spies trusted Rahab because of her faith in the Lord. Who do we trust? Who do we listen to in our lives? We need each other, by the way. We need each other, and we need to listen to one another. Look at verse 23. 
Then the two men returned and came down from the hill country and crossed over and came to Joshua, the son of Nun, and they related to him all that had happened to them. They said to Joshua, Surely the Lord has given all the land into our hands. Moreover, all the inhabitants of the land have melted away before us. You realize where they got this kind of courage? I mean, we can do this. We can go take it over. We know we can do it. You know where they got that courage from? From Rahab. Because courage inspires courage. Courage inspires courage. It's exactly what Rahab told them, what they told Joshua. Jump back to verse 11 again. When we heard it, Rahab said, our hearts melted and no courage remained in any man any longer because of you. For the Lord your God, he is the God of heaven above and the God of earth beneath. Rahab's testimony inspired those spies. And then they go back and they inspire Joshua with what Rahab told them and what they saw. And then Joshua inspires the rest of the Israelites. And when we get to Joshua chapter 6, we'll see them as they come to conquer Jericho. When you listen to Paul Learman's testimony, did it inspire you at all? Here's a guy who has been serving the Lord for a long, long time. And then he goes through a rough patch in his life. A difficult time in his life. But did you hear what got him through? It was the courage that the Lord could provide. It was the inspired word of God that pushed him forward and gave him a, a leg to stand on when he felt so weak. Does that inspire us at all? Does that inspire you to have courage no matter what you might be going through? We all need each other. God made us to need one another to spur each other on toward love and good deeds, toward kindness and faithfulness and truth, toward living with courage, being courageous. It's testimonies like Paul's, testimonies like yours, testimonies like mine that God wants to use to inspire courage in each other. Whatever we're facing, whatever the Lord has revealed to each of us, wherever we're at in life, how is the Lord calling us to live lives of courage? Let this passage out of Joshua 2 and the true story of Rahab inspire us that we know in these different times in our life when we have to make hard decisions or we realize this is risky endeavor, it's a, it's a righteous choice I have to make, but it's hard to make, it's kind of great. God calls us to have courage, put our trust in Him. He calls us to rely on each other and inspire each other, encouraging one another. It comes right down to it. Courage. God honoring courage can only happen when we do life God's way. When we do it God's way and not our way. When we seek Him for His guidance. When we trust in His faithfulness and His kindness toward us. When we rely on His truth. What each of us need. Is that what we're using? Are we trusting in God? Are we encouraging each other? Are we listening to one another? God calls us to be courageous. And I look around here and I see you guys and I think, we can do this. We can be courageous. Because we've got God. And we've got Thank you, Lord, 
for the courage of Rahab. Thank you that it wasn't really her courage, it was the courage that you gave her. I'm not sure what people are facing in their lives, everybody here, but every one of us I know needs your courage. Needs your courage maybe even to just take the next step in life. Some people here need courage just to get through the day. Others of us uh, need courage because there's big things happening. We're not quite sure what to do. Others of us need courage because we want to make a right choice, but kind of gray. It's not real black and white. We need your wisdom in those moments. Lord, call us to live lives of courage. Thanks that we don't have to live them alone. Thanks for being with us, Lord. Thanks for being kind and faithful and true to us. Help us to be kind and faithful and true to one another. And we'll give you all the glory in this place. I pray this, Jesus, in your name.